0: But there was one specific day that would change the course of my life. I was walking towards the gym to go to my dance class and this young boy, he was like around, I believe, like 16, 17 at the time, said hi to me. And at that time, I had not had any relationship with any any type of male at that, at that point. And he says, I want you to come uh, with me the following day to come hang out with me. And I said, sure, let's, I, you know, cause I haven't had any attention. So I'm like, yeah, sure, let's go. And in the room, all of these men were like lined up. And I was, um, at that point, I was being taken advantage of. I Ended up being in this relationship for like three years, and in this relationship I got pregnant twice, and I had an abortion. And when I had the abortion, that set the course of uh, feeling like condemned, feeling like I wanted to commit suicide. I was in the backseat of a of a car, and I was with these men, and as they were sitting in, in in the car, I heard gunshots, and at that moment I'm like, um, God, you know, help me. So I um like I mentioned I grew up in Oceanside, California. I had both my parents, um, mom and dad, um and I have three sisters. And during this time, um it's it's your average family, you know, um both parents in the house and in that t- during that time that was kind of like unfamiliar within the, in the community to have your dad present in the house. So, um that was something that was uh, very people looked up to us. And so it was, it was something that was like very unusual during that um during those times. And um My father, he was a a blessing. A lot of people knew him um, in the community. He was always you know, giving money out to the homeless, and he just was an all-around great man, and he was like my hero, and today he's still my hero, um, even though I'm gonna share these things with you guys. Um, So I grew up in the family with my mom and my dad, like I mentioned, and my dad, he um, had addiction problems with crystal meth, and my mother had addictions to pharmaceutical drugs, and during that time, The drugs was like, um, in that era, because it was like, uh, I was born in 1988, so um, throughout the 80s, like the crystal meth pandemic was like very popular then, and so it was like nothing to have that um, drug going along, and so during that time, I would see my dad doing these things. I didn't know what was going on, because I was like about five, and I realized like, okay, there's drugs in the house, I would see my mom struggling with these uh, Vicodin and um, volume and, and things like that. And um, during this time, she really did need it because she, she had like some medical things that were going on. So she was um, had kidney failure, she had knee, knee failure, and she just got addicted to the medication. And when she didn't have those medications, um, the house was very unstable at times. It was a lot of arguing, um, anger, and her anger would um, translate into sometimes uh, verbal abuse and things like that. Now my mom was like a straight A student, so she was very smart, very intelligent, and a lot of those um, attributes I learned from her as far as like with education and making sure I um, graduated from school and things like that. But fast forward, like, as a five-year-old, I started, I didn't know what was happening in the house. I didn't know, like, my parents w- were battling with these things, and they were just trying to do the best that they could during those times. So I started to um, act out. I started to um, be bad at school. I started to fight at school. I was um, even not kind of even paying attention in the classes. And so they would, like, take me outside of the classes and put me into, like, special education classes. They even at one time couldn't control my behavior. So they were like, well, let's try this medication and so they tried putting me on um, Prozac during this time and during that time it was very difficult because I'm like I wanted I, it's like I wanted my parents to see like I was like struggling um, because of what I was seeing in the home and they they just couldn't see that because they were so under the influence of um, what they were doing at that time so I want to like fast-forward a little bit because this is really important we were on Section 8 and um, Section 8 is a voucher for people who are don't have enough money to pay their rent and so my uh, my mother would find these um, houses and these apartments that were like really nice. And it was so interesting. because I'm like, how is it that we're so poor, but we are living in these nice apartments in Oceanside and she would get us these like nice houses, these nice condos and things like that. When we moved out of uh, this house that we, it was like our childhood house of these experiences that I was talking about when we moved out of there, cause they wouldn't fix the things that were in the house. They wouldn't fix it. When we moved, we started hopping to different apartments and they weren't just like beat down apartments. They were nice apartments upstairs, downstairs. During this time when we were in these, uh, when we, we would move, we would stay there. Maybe, um, five years and then we'll move. We'll stay there for fi- another five years at one place and then we'll move. So it was always like we were never in a place where we could stay there. And, um, and each location, it will be the same thing. Money, stealing, drugs. So my fam, my mom and my, my dad ended up moving us to a location. This location, um, in Oceanside, we're in a condo began to set the course of my downward spiral in my life. I began hanging out with the wrong people and doing drugs and smoking weed and all of that. But that did not all start just like all at once. Cause to get out of that, that drugs and the alcohol and all that stuff that was happening, I had to, um, I had to have an outlet. So I would dance. I would go and like to dance class and stuff like that. My parents would pay for me to go to these dance classes and things like that. But there was one specific day that would change the course of my life. I was walking towards the gym to go to my dance class. And this young boy, he was like around, I believe, like 16, 17 at the time. And he was like, um, said hi to me. And at that time, I had not had any interactions with boys. I had not um, had any relationship with any any type of male at that at that point. I haven't had sex at all. Um, and he says, I want you to come uh, with me the following day to come hang out with me. And I said, sure, let's, I, you know, cause I haven't had any attention. So I'm like, yeah, sure, let's go. And when we went to that house and he brought me, he's like, come on, let's go to this house. And he was like prepping me on the way there. Um, I, I end up going into a house where there was like Maybe five or six men in the house, and he brings me back into this room and um, into the bathroom first. And then he took my virginity. And then after that, he's like, "Come on, come towards the room." And in the room, in the room, all of these men were like lined up, and I was um, at that point I was being taken advantage of um, by these men, and they were telling me to do these things to them. I didn't know at that point what was happening to me, but I knew that it was wrong. I knew it was wrong. And so after I left there, I felt. It, it was weird because I felt like, wow, like for the first time, like somebody's paying attention to me. Like somebody, I, I feel like I'm loved, like by a man, and I feel like uh, he's they're giving he, he they were giving me attention. So I didn't think that that what they did to me was bad, but after that day, I started um, drinking more I started smoking more I started um, hanging I was uh, smoking cigarettes I started trying ecstasy I um, started um, hanging out with a young lady that was in prostitution and she was like really really deep into this prostitution lifestyle and she would take me on these adventures with her like to different locations where I would see her doing things with other men and I wouldn't do it I would wait on the side but she, it was like a prepping of it that's how everything is it's like a it was like a prepping the enemy was just like prepping me to to just take advantage of me and just to take me down this path that i couldn't get out of so i would watch her um do these things with these different men and get money, and she would buy me shoes and do my hair, do my makeup, and I mean all types of stuff. Um, I was seeing in, the, in this lifestyle that she was living.
1: And Brittany, at this time, is anyone, your parents, anyone aware of really what's happening in these moments? You know, from that moment you like you lost your virginity, essentially, with all, and then all these men, and then now to this lifestyle, like this grooming, you know, lifestyle. Was anyone aware that this was happening? Yeah, my mom.
0: She was very like very upset, but at that point because of all of the things I had seen what I had seen her doing I had became so angry and rebellious that they did they were kind of like afraid of me because I'm like you you know I've seen my my mother get angry and you know hit my sister when she didn't have her medications and stuff like that and like fight with her to get money to go get her things and and she didn't know what she was doing because she was under the influence of that so she um so I, I was at that point I was just like so rebellious that I was like like if you even try to do this to me like I'm gonna do this to you and I'm gonna call the police on you so they were at that point like leave leave her alone like she's she's crazy my mom did try she did try at one point to stop me and she was like she was telling my dad like look what she's wearing because my whole outfits had changed i was wearing like these really big heels. they'd never seen me wear that i was wearing like these skimpy clothes and they were like look at her my mom was like you know look what she's doing and i'm and i at that point i didn't care i kind of was like even not even coming home at one point point.
1: and how old were you at this time
0: i was around like 16 and a half Yeah, I wasn't even, at that point, I was staying at friends' house. I wasn't coming home for weeks at a time because what was happening? Because I, in my mind, I, I love my parents so much. I love my dad so much. And I just wanted them to stop doing drugs to be honest with you i wanted them to stop so in my mind i'm, th- I'm thinking like well you're you're doing it so i'm going to do what i want to do and you uh, you guys obviously don't care about me because on countless occasions i have tried to remove the drugs out of the house my sisters and i we've tried to take the things out crush it and we praying for my, my family. And we had people trying to help us at, at that point, but they just wouldn't stop. So I, at that point I just became so angry to the point where I was just always fighting. I was fighting girls. I was even, I think I was even fighting boys at that time. Like, and so they were, my parents were afraid of me. So then um this young girl she like i said she was beginning to buy me these things and she even um started to do things to me like sexually and things like that and so that was my first time i uh, with a sexual encounter with another female with this person and so she began to um do those things and and after that i was like well you know what i'm going to like try it and so she was like um yeah come on like um and i think she had like a pimp or something at that time i'm not really sure what was happening but i did see people that she was involved in so i try- i tried prostitution a few times um after that i was like mm, i don't really feel right doing this so i started even taking money from men and then still having sex with them It was, it was kind of, it was kind of weird because at one, a part of me didn't want to do it, but another part of me liked the fast lifestyle. And during this time I was working, I had dropped out of school. Um, so at this time I wasn't in school. I was kind of being homeschooled. My mom, like I mentioned before, was a straight A student, very smart. So she would like do my homework because at that point the truancy officers were coming in and out of our house. So she didn't want like the attention to be on me because they knew what I was doing.
1: And who the the truancy officers can explain? Yeah,
0: the truancy officers are the people that like, if you don't go to school, they come knocking on your door. I don't know if they still do that today, but back then they they would come to your door and wonder where you're at, like why haven't you been at school and stuff like that? Or if you're in even like when I was like not doing so well in school, they would want to know why I wasn't doing so well. So my mom was like doing my homework and stuff like that, doing my math homework and all of those different types of things for a little period of time until I like f- officially dropped out and then I moved in with my older sister for a little while and then I moved out of there and came back home. I started um you know having sex with men for free at that point I was just being sexually immoral. And then I found I got into a relationship with a man that was a little bit older than me. And my mother did not like that. She did not like the fact, I think at this point I was like 18 and she didn't like the fact that I was in a relationship with this man. And people in the neighborhood would tell me like, uh, this man is, has these disorders. He's been to jail and all of these different type of things. And the person that he presented himself to me was that he was not doing that, that he was, he was changed. So I ended up being in this relationship for like three years. And during those three years, he would uh, emotionally abuse me. He would uh, sexually abuse me and tell me to do different things that I I, that I didn't want to do. And in this relationship, I got pregnant twice, and I had an abortion. And when I had the abortion, that set the course of uh, feeling, like, condemned, feeling like I was uh, not worthy, feeling depressed, feeling like I wanted to commit suicide at that point. My life was like literally going downhill at that point. I was drinking more, I was, um, you know, doing all these different types of things and he would take me on these like walks where there would be like three hours and I'm like, where are we going? And he's like, people are following us. <laughs> you know, like, I'm like, well, nobody's following us. And in my mind, I couldn't even see that this was wrong because I so wanted to be loved. I so wanted to be around somebody that Loved me, and I and I thought I was like this man loves me, and so um, during this relationship, like I mentioned, I got pregnant, um, had abortions um, twice. Um, by the by the grace of God, I got out of that relationship. My mom, um, um, at the age of nineteen, ended up passing away, um, and that uh, changed me. That's when I started to changed my life around. And I slowly started to try to do things differently. I was still like smoking and, and drinking and, and doing those different types of things. Um But in the midst of that, I knew that I wanted a, a different life. And so when my mom passed away, I started to see my younger sister go to church And I I started to see, like, differences in her. And I I started to see, like, a light come upon her. And I said, I want it. I wanted that. But I didn't know, like, how to get it. I thought it was just, like, how could God accept me being that I was, you know, doing all of these things. And I was drinking, I was smoking, having sex, partying, and just living a reckless life. Like, how could he, like, want me? Why would he want me? So I continued drinking, continued smoking, continued, like, after I left that relationship, I was, like, going from one man to another. And the breaking point for me was, uh, it it was just a humiliation moment where there was a man that he wanted to have sex with me. And he said, what what do I need to do to have sex with you? And I said, all you have to do is like buy me a beer and some cigarettes. He went and he spreaded that rumor that all you need to do with Brittany is buy her cigarettes and buy her a beer and you could have her. That to me was like the, the breaking point for me. So during that time I was like, you know, like I have to make some changes. I have to do something because I was I was I was so low. There was a, a another situation that also um happened where I um the Holy Spirit just brought it to me was when I almost lost my life in a gun shooting. So it, it it's like it didn't take much for me to like to stop the lifestyle I was living. At this point, I was in, I was in the backseat of a, of a car, and I was with these men. And they were smoking, drinking, and all of those different types of things. And as they were sitting in in, in the car, I heard gunshots, but it was interesting because at this time I wasn't even saved, but I can still hear the voice of the Lord when I saw this car circling around the building in the neighborhood. And when I saw it circling around, I saw it. Nobody else saw it because they were high, because they were drunk. But I saw that car circling around and I didn't even think anything of it. Later on that evening, when we were all coming out from... From the um, from our, my parents house and my parents knew like we were hanging out we were in the garage and then we went out to the front to go hang out in their car so at this point when I heard the gunshots I um, got underneath the seat but the gunshots were coming out too much so I got out of the car and I went underneath the car um the person um, also that was driving um, got out of the car and they sh- I saw them shot shoot shoot the person and kill them the person looked at me and at that moment I'm like I'm like, um, God, you know, help me. Help me, Lord. And at that moment, when I seen that, that man look at me, when I seen him look at me, and he looked at me and, and he walked away, I knew that that was the Lord. I knew it. I knew that that was the Lord, but those things didn't stop me. I, I um... It didn't stop me. It was like it was like, what else did I need? What else did I need to go through in order to like surrender my life uh to to the Lord, you know, to surrender my life back to Jesus? like what did, what what else is it gonna take? you know, the abortions, the the drinking, the the men, you know, all these things. And so um, uh, my sister, you know, invited me to church. She invited me to church. She said, do you want to go to church? And I would go, because at this point, I'm like, I was in, I went, I decided that I was going to go back to school. So I went back to, I went back to school and I was working towards getting my high school diploma because my mom, she always wanted that for me. She she always wanted me to um She wanted me to graduate. She knew that I struggled in school. She knew that, um, you know, reading was difficult. And she kind of like, in the back of her mind, I think she felt responsible. I think she felt responsible. And I think that she felt like she wanted to make that up to me. So she would always tell me, um, you know, go back to school, I want you to graduate. So I go back um to a community learning center in Oceanside and I um uh, worked towards getting my um high school diploma. I could barely I could barely even like structure sentences together. It was very difficult for me to uh to read. Um I could see the words and things like that, but it was very difficult with with what they were asking for me to do. So I would have to have people read to me. I ended up graduating. I ended up uh, getting my high school diploma. Um my life started to change. I um I ended up, um, you know, going into the community college, working towards my associate's degree. Um, my dad, he, um, he was doing a little bit better, but he was still in, in the, in his disease of drugs and stuff like that. And there was one day where I came home and I saw him laying on the floor. This was, this was like maybe a month or two after my mom had passed and I saw him laying there um, unconscious, and it was like dark and black, he said, he, that he saw. And I thought, I said, oh man, like I'm not gonna have both my parents and this is gonna be just, you know, I guess I'll just have to, you know, be strong and, and live like this, but praise God that he, he was able to um, come out of that he was able to you know get out of the that situation and i think he did learn from that they said it was it was a mixing of some type of medication that made his um something happen where it was just a mixing of downer and upper or something like that and that and that's what happened after that um, i started to more so go i was really getting involved in church started seeing my 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 life change and i was at church um, that my sister had invited me to and when i went up there they really were the, the pastor was preaching a sermon and the sermon really resonated with me and i um, gave my life to jesus
1: and can you tell us about that moment can you tell us about like you know you're coming back you know going to church i don't know if that was your first time but going to church and what was the message what were you hearing and what what was happening like in that moment you know before you decided to give your life to Christ i i knew that there was like when the when the um preacher was preaching, I knew that
0: he was preaching on, like, power and on changing your life, and I, it just resonated with me. Like, I knew that I needed to change something, and I knew that what I was feeling in there, like, when they were playing the worship, because I've never heard worship music. I wasn't raised in church, so when they were all singing, I was like, what's happening here? And so when I would see them sing and I would see them worship, it was really, like, resonating with me, and I felt good about it, and I felt like, wow, I, I can—I I, I want this, And and then my next step, I got baptized. So I think like maybe a month or so afterwards, I got baptized. And that's when my my life completely turned around. And I started to see miracles. I started to see instantly things would just begin to just... My, I, I can't explain. It was like my eyes for the first time were like open, and I was like, I would sit there in my room, even though there were still things that were going on. I could sit there and I would hear sermons from on TBN. I would just play TBN all day, and I would just lay there in the presence of God and feel His power really coming into me and and making me feel feel so much better, like a like a love that I just I can't describe in words. It was like. For the first time, I felt like I'm not in that dark hole of depression and that I don't have to live like this anymore. And so that's when he began to really change me. Things began to like shift really quickly for me. Like my prayers answered quickly. Like I was, um, able to look at the pages in, in, in books and understand what it was saying. I was able to pass my classes. Uh, I graduated on um, with my associate's degree from this school and I ended up transferring to Cal State Northridge where I would have gone on and got my, um, my bachelor's degree. And so this is where it starts to get tricky because God was transforming me. He was renewing me. He was restoring me. He was blessing me. And, And there was a man that came into my life at this point. And at this point, this man began to uh, tell me like these things like, you're beautiful. That hole in my heart that I thought was healed was starting to come to come back up because I had to get renewed in my mind and I had to get renewed in my soul. And so I wasn't being renewed in those areas. I didn't know how to do that because I wasn't taught that. And so here this, this man, this male um, comes along and I even move him into my house. And at this time, I didn't even know that this was bad until I went to uh, the church that I was going to. And they were saying that you need to have one, um, husband and one wife, and you can't live with this, with this person because this is sexual immorality. And I didn't know what that was. And so I was, um, living with this person, with this man, and he started abusing me and he started, um, making me do things that I didn't want to do sexually. He, and if I didn't do something, you better believe I would have a punch in my eye. I would have to cover my face up with makeup. And at this point I was, in the church now. I was serving. I was um sharing my testimony of how I came out of the, uh, the the lifestyle I was living before on um encounters at church. I I began to start feeling feeling bad and depressed again. Like I would just want to end my life. Like cuz how is it that God just just brought me out of all these things he restored me now now I'm at church now I'm, I'm helping out the church I'm serving I'm in bible studies and I'm seeing miracles happen and here I am again back in this situation again and, and did anyone in the church know this was happening no uh, yeah I didn't tell them yeah no they didn't know no and I was I was embarrassed I was embarrassed because I'm like how can this happen to me again it's like it's like when am I going to learn my lesson you know And so this was like, I believe in like uh, the fall of 2011 or something like that. This man was doing these things to me. And then I heard the Lord speak to me because at this point, this man was smoking weed and I had started smoking weed. And when I would smoke weed, I would get, I would feel um, hallucinations. I would feel the walls caving in and I would, uh, and, and I could hear the voice of the Lord tell me, don't do this. It was like as clear as day. He would be like, you need to stop this right now. When I heard that voice, like when I heard him and I was like smoking weed, he's like, you need to stop this now and you're not going to ever do this again. Literally that day I had never smoked weed again. That's the same thing that happened when I was smoking cigarettes. I was like habitually smoking cigarettes because I didn't know about strongholds. I didn't know how to break addictions off of my life. I didn't know any of that. So here I am, I would smoke cigarettes and I would go greet at the front door of the church. And I was like, oh my gosh, I need to put this spray on and stuff like that. And I didn't know that I could stop smoking cigarettes until I heard like a, a, voice saying, you need to stop smoking these cigarettes. And I knew that that was God. And that's how I broke that off of my life because I heard the voice of the Lord say, I can help you get out of this and I can help you stop smoking these cigarettes and I can help you stop smoking weed. And that's how I stopped. During this time, I was on an encounter at church and at church, they were talking about basically sanctification, how you can come, how, how the women were coming out of like these bad relationships and things like that. During that encounter, God spoke to me again and he said, when you go home, you have to get out of this relationship because if you don't get out of this relationship, I won't be able to take you where you need to go, um, in your purpose and your destiny for your life. And so I began to, Think about, like, how am I going to do this? Because he was at my house at this time. For the three days, I was gone on this encounter. And um, when I came back, I told him, I said, you're going to have to leave my house. And I said, I'm sorry. That night, he was, like, throwing things in my house. He was, like, hitting the couch and hurting himself and saying, like, look, you're making me do this and all this type of stuff. The next day, he left. And I knew that that day, that when he left, that that was it. I knew it, and he knew it. I said, I'm sorry, well, this is done, and then we're over. After that, that's when I started to see more progression in, in my life. And I ended up being celibate for a while. I did have a, a few slip-ups, um, and I was celibate for, I think, like a couple of years. And then in the fall of 2012, I, I told the Lord, I said, you know what, this is very difficult, like, especially from the lifestyle that I lived, like, how is it that you're ever gonna bring me a man of God? How are you gonna bring me somebody to love me past those things that I went through? And so he took, I was at a, um, a, a church service and um, that's where I met my husband. And my husband came to me, this to a virgin. He came to me a virgin. And he's okay for me to share this because he shares this as well. He came to me a virgin, and I wasn't, but I was renewed in Christ. And with the past abortions and with all of those things that I went through, God knew what I needed. I thought I was never going to have kids um, because of what I did. And I I carried this um, condemnation and this guilt and and this shame that I would never have kids. I would never be able to do this. Because of what I've done, and today I have my daughter, and her name is Crystal, and I'm very blessed to have both my husband and my daughter, because they are a part of my testimony. They're a part of what I've been through. They're they are a part of what God can do, what He can what He can um, give you when you when you obey. His commands. It's not like doing rituals or anything, like you have to do this to do this. It's a it's a manifestation of just being in His glory, and His presence. He's saying, this is what I want to give you um, for what you came from. And so that's what um, I'm blessed to have today my daughter and my husband. Not only that, I have been able to share my testimony. I've been able to um, uh, write books when I didn't even know how to barely read, um, barely graduated, barely by the skin of my teeth. And he's literally just like changed everything around. And it, it definitely hasn't been easy. It's been a lot of spiritual warfare. My dad, I have a um, a good relationship with him. I always had a good relationship with my father. And he always encourages me to uh, share my testimony and even though he he's a major part of it. And I always tell him, like when I went to go see him recently, I told him, I said, Even though you're part of my testimony, I want you to know I love you. Uh, I love my sisters. I love my family. But I have to do what it is that God has called me to do. Not everybody understands that. My family didn't understand it at first, and I think they still don't. But it's not up to me whether I can try to get them to understand what I'm doing, because I have to do what God has called me to do. And this is what he's called me to do. And a part of my testimony has to do with my father and my mother that I love very much. But that doesn't mean that they're bad people. It just means that they struggle with these things, and we all struggle with things. We, we live in a fallen world, but God can restore us back.
1: And Brittany, I do want to ask, you know, the journey that you've been on, like in the healing area when it comes to, you've had, you know, the abortions and, you know, the sexual abuse. You know, how has the Lord redeemed, you know, that area of your life?
0: Yes. Um, so, um, for the abortions, um, I, I was blessed to go to an, um, like a healing kind of, um, encounter. Um, it, it was with the church. So it's like three days you go and they really pour into you, help you, you know, work through, work through that. And that's how I got healing in that area. Cause for a long time, I felt condemned. For a long time, I felt bad. I felt like a murderer and I felt like, you know, I was lied to. Not only that. Um, with both the abortions because they told me it was like a speck and stuff like that. And I found out I was like six or eight weeks and that was like traumatic they were like, here, take these pills and, you know, you're going to go home and have this abortion. So that, those type of scars, like, um stayed with me for a long time. But this ministry, you know, that I was with underneath at the time really helped me work through that trauma in that. And with the sexual abuse, um, I really had to, because I didn't find out until, like, I was in my 20s that that was, like, sexual abuse. And so I really had to, like, work through the healing with that. And it was very difficult because I always thought, like, men were bad, like, they're all... Out to get you, they're trying to take your take you for something. They're they're using you and stuff like that. So I really had to get those things out of my mind. Like even like w- with um, my husband now, like when we first married, like I still was kind of nervous. I still was like on the edge, and it was very difficult the first couple of years trying to like navigate being a woman of God, a transformed woman of God, with a man of God. That I didn't quite understand because I had never seen a healthy marriage or a healthy relationship. So I really had to, like, even today, I have to actively work at it. Like, no, like, that's not what you're supposed to do. Like, no, you have to do, you have to do this. So I have to teach myself. And, and, and that's why I, f- I find it so important to have, uh, people that are more seasoned in you pouring into you and teaching you these things. Those things I didn't have and I wish I did have when I was a new Christian. Because I think that that would have, like, helped me a little bit more um, as I was growing.
1: And Brittany, who is Jesus to you?
0: Jesus is uh, my Lord and Savior. He's my uh, deliverer. He's a restorer. And he has completely uh, transformed my life. And he's the one that can transform you. He's the one that can deliver you. He's the one that can set you free. And that's what he did for me.
1: Wonderful. And, and, you know, I just, I'd love to, for you to, you know, just share a few words of encouragement to, you know, any young, you know, young girl, right, whose life right now is, you know, her family is just, you know, there's a lot of drug addiction, there's a lot of brokenness, the home is broken, but they're looking for love and they're looking to experience the love of a father. How would you, you know, really encourage them? Yes, I would, I would definitely say first,
0: you have to give your life to Jesus so that he can change you and he can transform you. The second thing is, um, to trust in Jesus, trust him in your heart, believe he died on the cross and rose from the dead and ask him to fill you with the Holy Spirit. And the third thing is to get people in your life that will be able to pour into you, to be able to teach you, to be able to show you that you don't, you don't have to live like this and that your current circumstance is not what's going to define you. I always thought that because of where I bit, where I was, was and where what was happening to me at that time what was going on defined me like i was like this is what i'm living in this is what is happening this is me and that was not my identity the enemy was telling me that that was my identity and he would tell you lies and tell you like this is what you're going to be in this is what you have to be in and you have to accept these things but you don't have to accept it i would say get people around you that will encourage you the people around you that are good and positive influences in your life that Will be able to say no. You don't have to live this way. No, um, just because you're in this current environment doesn't mean that that's what your life. That's what's going to be your portion. Making sure that you just uh, get around people that would direct you and guide you in the right path.
1: And Brittany, if you were to speak to little Brittany, Brittany that was five years old, and you know that household, what would you say to her? What would I say to her?
0: I I, I would definitely say that it's not your fault. You know, your parents were going through these things and, you know, people go through things in life and, um, they did the best that they could and, and to just pray, you know, I know like a lot of times people think that kids at that age, um, can't pray, but I would uh, beg to differ because I've seen a lot of children praying and a lot of children, uh, praying on their knees to Jesus. So I would, I, I would uh, tell the five-year-old Brittany to cry out to Jesus. That's what I would say.
1: So Brittany, can you pray for that little five-year-old, that 10-year-old, that middle schooler, that high schooler that's experienced, you know, a lot of what you've experienced, you know, with, the, uh, you know, the, fa- the parents that are, you know, using drugs and they're just kind of feeling maybe pushed aside or unseen or unheard and have just been going through it. Can you pray for them that, you know, even through your testimony, that they would see themselves, but that they can see, you know, what a surrendered life to Jesus looks like? Yes. Yeah. So um dear Father, I just thank you right now
0: for whoever's watching, Lord. And I just pray for the young woman or the young boy or just a, just a little child, Father God, that um is in a circumstance where they feel like it's out of their control. And Father, I ask that you just send a protection around them. I ask that you cover them and I ask that you um help them to see their identity in Christ. And if anybody here who hasn't accepted Jesus Christ, just say, Lord Jesus. Say, come into my heart. Say, I believe you died on the cross for my sins. And I believe you rose from the dead. And say, fill me with the Holy Spirit. And Lord, I ask for you to protect them and cover them in Jesus' name. Now, if you said that prayer, get into a good Bible-based church and really watch your life change because God did that for me. He really changed the course of my life when I accepted him and I begin to see myself the way that he sees me. And I know that um, many of you watching might feel like you don't have no purpose or that you don't have a destiny or that you don't have nowhere to look or nowhere to turn. But I want to declare to you today that even though I was in that lifestyle that I was doing, I was in the drugs, I was in the alcohol, I was doing those things, God completely transformed my life and he turned it around. So I'm really grateful and thankful that even in the midst of those things, he he showed me that what a surrendered life looks like. And I'm really grateful and I'm thankful. Thank you.
1: And Brittany, do you have any last words, any final words of encouragement that you'd like to share with anyone that's watching today? Yes,
0: I, I just want to say that just trust in Jesus um, and really just see yourself the way that Christ sees you. Um, a lot of times people feel like they don't have a purpose or that they, they don't have a destiny or that that God is done with them. No, he's not done with you. The enemy will begin to tell you lies, tell you you're not good enough, tell you that you're worthless, tell you that just because you went through this or you've been through this or because you came from this background that you are now nothing. But I want to declare to you today that you are something, that God has a purpose for you, that you are destined for more, and believe that, get into the Word, open up the Bible, and watch your life change. That's literally what happened to me. I started opening up the Word of God, and the Word of God began to permeate my life and my and my spirit and my soul. It was like my medicine, and that medicine will begin to start to make you feel better. Even in your worst days, if you just open up the book of Psalms or open up the book of Proverbs and just start there and watch those scriptures completely transform your life. Hey everybody, I hope the new testimony has blessed you, has encouraged you. Just wanted to let you know that if you are in need of help, that we have people that are ready to speak with you. So down in the description box below, in the comment section, uh, if you're watching from YouTube, if you're listening from our podcast, just look for the link that says, Talk to Someone Who Cares. Click on that fill out the form and somebody will get in contact with you locally. Now, this is only available to people in the U.S. right now, but we are working to get resources for our international viewers and listeners. But for right now, if you are in the U.S. and you need help, you need to talk with somebody, please fill out that form and somebody will reach out to you. God bless you and
1: we'll see you on the next testimony.